When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Cousins waiting, throw it to the end zone, Thielen, touchdown! Looking right all the way. Here's Thielen, his first catch is a touchdown. Nice looking drive for the Vikings here. And by seven, good protection again. Cousins fires wide open. Touchdown, Stephon Diggs. Myron Metcalf back here on another edition of Purple Daily here on Score North, scorenorth.com uh, with the one and only Manny Hill. Manny, how you doing, man? What's up, brother? Hey, man, it's, it's, it's good to be back with you, man, on another eventful Friday. We got uh, Vikings minicamp starting a lot of – you know, hopefuls uh, trying to find their way onto the roster, and that I, I really, I do honestly love that about the NFL, and that you can get some of those Disney movie stories. You can get some <laughs> of those guys who you know weren't drafted, uh, were overlooked, and just kind of squeezed into a mini camp, and they performed, and then and then here they are, man. They got a shot at a at a roster spot. I I'm not sure what can be better than that in sports, man. No, I know, and and you you always wonder. Like I was watching. Uh, yesterday I was watching the clip of when Jared Stidham, the Auburn quarterback, got drafted in the fifth or sixth round or whatever it was by the Patriots and just how excited he was about, you know, not only just getting drafted, but you get drafted by the New England Patriots. Like you're, you're, it's, it's, you could just see the emotions in his, in his, in his eyes, man. Like it, it's, 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 it's an exciting time for all of these young players that are going to get this opportunity and, you know, we'll see how it goes with them. Yeah, and there's 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 clearly separation against those sort of generational next level talents that are usually picked in the first round. I mean, those guys separate themselves in the NFL at, at all positions. Um, but there's so many stories of the folks who weren't first round picks, the folks who were overlooked, the Russell Wilsons, the Tom Brady's, the guys who you know didn't make that kind of an impression, didn't have sort of the physical attributes that you would want. Um, but then prove themselves to be great players. So I'm looking forward to some of those stories, man. I love to see guys get those opportunities. Um, by the way, did you hear Cliff Kingsbury say that, you know, when he was asked about Kyler Murray being his starter, he said, we'll see. Did you see that? <laughs> did you see that Cliff Kingsbury? Like, what role is Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury playing right now? Like, he's like, like stop it, okay? We, 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 watch you, we watch you say that Josh Rosen was our guy, mm-hmm. and then you traded him. We all knew you were picking Kyler Murray. You were hired to pick Kyler Murray. Like, what are you talking about? 
like making this like it's some mystery, man. I, I, I'll tell you what, Cliff Kingsbury does not have an easy assignment because we haven't seen anyone like a Kyler Murray, I don't think. Um, and in an, a modern NFL where the offenses are, are so unique and diverse and uh, there's a versatility that we just haven't witnessed uh, at this level. I don't know what he's going to do, Manny, but he's got a coach who he better get with reality quick and understand the expectations or that's going to be the biggest embarrassment in the NFL. Yeah, no kidding. And <laughs> what's what's so interesting is this team, and, and we just saw um, your colleague at ESPN, Adam Schefter, he just dropped a tweet about 10 minutes ago that the Cardinals have signed uh, former gopher Max Williams, the tight end who had been with the Baltimore Ravens the last couple of years. Uh, the Cardinals just signed him to a one-year contract, and so I guess I guess Max is going to be a weapon for Kyler Murray or whoever yeah, is the quarterback is going to be, <laughs> according to Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, yeah. it might be somebody other than Kyler Murray. <laughs> you know, Myron, it might be somebody else. I mean, I don't even know who, who else. Who's, who would be the backup I right mean, now? Who's the I other mean, quarterbacks on the roster right now? Well, well, Cliff right now probably thinks he's the backup. Who, who knows? He probably thinks he's... <laughs> He probably thinks he's the best quarterback on the roster. I don't know, but this it's guy's like, got to. It's like that scene in, uh, remember the scene in Major League Two where Roger Dorn yeah, yeah. walks into the office and he goes, as of 9 o'clock this morning, gentlemen, I've activated myself. Yes, Do you think yes. Cliff Kingsbury might go, oh, he, go into the office from the Cardinals facility and be like, you know what, I just activated myself, guys. I'm, I'm Kyler Murray's backup now. He, he might be because if you're saying we'll see with the number one pick in the NFL draft, <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to have some plan. You know who could be the other embarrassment, though, of the NFL draft and just the NFL in general next season? The Green Bay Packers. Here, here's my thing about the Green Bay Packers and what they did compared to what the Minnesota Vikings did. The Minnesota Vikings, whether you agree with their draft or who they picked or the one thing you can't say about the Minnesota Vikings is that they failed to address their needs and to address their weaknesses and issues. That's exactly what they did. Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer had a plan, and you could see them walking through that plan, Manny, through all seven rounds. Uh, it, it was it was a blueprint for how you address a team that failed to protect its quarterback, didn't give its quarterback enough weapons, needed to fortify its offensive line, uh, give itself a boost in some areas. I think the Minnesota Vikings did that. I go look at the Green Bay Packers, Manny, and they're spending their opening picks on defensive players. Rashawn Gary is essentially like uh, the guys that they grabbed in in free agency. Uh, It just doesn't, to me, make a lot of sense. You get a guy in Gary who wasn't a big sack guy, uh, wasn't that kind of a player at at Michigan. You've signed Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. Like This doesn't make a lot of sense when you bring in a guy like Matt LaFleur, who is an offensive guru, uh, you pair him with Aaron Rodgers because this is a guy who was getting tired of Mike McCarthy and his system, mm-hmm. wanted to play more like the Patrick Mahomeses of the NFL and kind of have that freelancing ability, uh, that blank canvas, so to speak. And, and, and then you go out and you don't give him these weapons that I think he needs at his age to continue to play at this level. Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever played a game. Mm-hmm. But I have no clue what the Green Bay Packers are thinking here uh, as they approach next season, which could be one of the final seasons for Aaron Rodgers. And yet, I know Jay Sternberg is a good player. I get that. But you could have, and I think should have, Manny, given him more to work with. Because let's be honest, if you're the Green Bay Packers, you're not going to be the Chicago Bears next season. You're not going to be the Ravens. You're going to be a team that wins or loses according to what Aaron Rodgers can do with the offense he has. 
Yeah, and I'm wondering if they are taking the the approach, almost kind of a similar approach that we thought the Vikings were taking at the start of their offseason where they thought just a shakeup in the coaching staff would automatically be an, an upgrade. Like maybe the Packers are just thinking, you know what, we're going to bring in a new coach and a new system to replace a, a coach and system that we feel like has gotten outdated and the system, they really haven't made a whole lot of adjustments to the system over the years under Mike McCarthy and that maybe the thought process is that Matt LaFleur, the the the, the system sh- shakeup and the head coaching shakeup is going to sort of fix itself from within for Aaron Rodgers and make Aaron Rodgers a better player. I, I don't know. I don't I don't really mind what they've done on defense though because they've they've gone I mean the Gary the Gary pick is is a little bit questionable because of the moves that they had already made in free agency but you know the Smith boys I mean they they can get after the quarterback man and and yes. I think in this division when you've got quarterbacks you've got three other quarterbacks in this division that are not considered elite level quarterbacks and then if you can get after them with pass rushers, you can rattle them and and make things more difficult for them. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the only way I could think about. You know, that's the only way I could think that their that their reasoning for this offseason has been. I I think what they did in the offseason addressed what they needed defensively. Because to your yeah. point, Manny, I, I think you go out and get those guys because you need to fix some of those gaps in your defense. No doubt about that. However, you haven't made the playoffs in back-to-back years. Yeah, you you just signed a guy in Aaron Rodgers to a lot of money. You are going to build your entire scheme around what he is capable of doing, right? You bring in a Matt Lafleur. This would be to me, uh, man. You bring in Mike Zimmer, and you go, Mike. Let's figure out what we're going to do on offense, since that's your specialty. Let, let let's go and get the top offensive guys. Let's sit in the room and figure that out because that's how you're going to shape this team. No, that's not what the Vikings did. They built this defense, right? And then from there you go. If we can get the kind of playmakers on offense to at least give us a chance, this defense can be elite and we can win games. The Packers have been the reverse of that under Aaron Rodgers. They've had maybe two or three top ten offenses. I mean, defenses the entire time he's been in Green Bay as the starter. How have they really won? They've had a guy in hand, Rodgers, who's put them in positions with his playmaking ability to win big games, and that's who the Green Bay Packers are. So why not give him more mm-hmm. to work with? And it's not just me saying this, because, I mean, I talk a lot and whatever. You may say you're always saying something, Myron. And ESPN.com had this store where they basically went to today a number of uh, executives who anonymously commented. But by the way, Manny, uh, anonymous comments. Don't you love those? What what like what do you <laughs> this, listen? You're you're giving draft grades. Like what what's the? C- come on, man. Like like are you that scared to put your name on it? Doesn't make a lot of sense. But one of the first things this anonymous executive said about the Green Bay Packers in this piece is, you spend big money on the two Smiths, Zadarius and Preston, a free agency, and then you draft Rashawn Gary, who kind of plays the same position. Now, I'll tell you, Darnell Savage, the safety that they got out of Maryland, he's a player, right? And I think he's going to make a huge impact. And I'm not saying they haven't done other things throughout the draft. Jay Sternberger can be a great player. However, how do you go into the draft and essentially do the same thing you did in free agency? That part doesn't make a whole lot of sense at that particular position. I just don't get what the Packers are doing. And right now, the Vikings look so much smarter than anything you're seeing in Green Bay. If the Vikings get better, right, or if they don't get better, whatever happens next season, 
There's no excuse, Manny. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there's no reason that you could say, well, they didn't have X. No, they had it. Maybe they didn't have it to the degree that you wanted them to have it, but they had it because they went into the draft, they went into free agency, and they tried to build this offensive line. They gave Kirk Cousins another target. They did what they could to maintain their defense after losing guys like Sheldon Richardson. They have the pieces to get back into the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers, a team that's missed the playoffs in back-to-back years, that has always relied on an Aaron Rodgers, Manny, I'm not sure that their approach, after hiring a coach who is there specifically to cater an offensive scheme for Aaron Rodgers, I'm not sure how they approach this draft. Yeah, I I don't know either, and I don't – I'm really curious about what this offense is going to look like, too, in terms of just – are they going to play faster? Are they going to run the ball more? Are they going to get more vertical down the field? I mean, you know, are they going to, you know, what sort of wrinkles are they going to implement? Because, I mean, Matt LaFleur is coached under, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that are in the NFL now. I mean, he's got connections to Sean McVay and connections to Kyle Shanahan and, and things like that. Guys who were viewed as being offensive gurus. And so... There's something there. I'm just, I, I'd be very curious to see what the offense will look like. Will they play faster? Will there be a little bit more uh, imaginary, imaginary, I'm, I can't even think of the right word to say, but you, you know what I'm getting yeah, at. Like, I is there you. going to be a little bit more creativity within the offense than what we saw for, you know, the last few years under Mike McCarthy? I mean, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. But again, I don't know, to your point, I don't know if the weapons that they have right now are going to be enough because it does seem like right now their approach is we're just going to change the scheme and we're still going to have the same quarterback and we're still going to have pretty much the same weapons and it's going to be better from within because we're changing the scheme and changing the coaching staff. Yeah, and it's a very arrogant approach. Uh, and that that's what it is. And you don't want to be arrogant in the NFL. Drew Brees is still playing at, was he, 40 years old or something like that? Close to 40? I think he's 40 now. If not 40. He's playing at that level because they surrounded him with some great weapons. Michael Thomas, Kamara. I mean, they've given him some pieces where Drew Brees is still great. Almost won the MVP last year. But he's surrounded with talent. That's the approach you want to take, even if you have a great quarterback. Tom Brady, we like to pretend as if he's never had a great receiver, that he's just done all this on his own. Rob Gronkowski, man, is going to be what? First ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, I and, think he's the greatest tight end of all time. Uh, what? Right? There, there's only yeah. one guy who's in the conversation next to him, and that's Tony Gonzalez. And I think Rob, what he's done in the modern NFL, I think goes down as the greatest of all time. And we may have seen him for three, four, five more years at this level had he not retired, Manny. This is what Tom Brady has had access to. Randy Moss gave him three, I believe, thousand-yard seasons, one of the greatest seasons of all time. Wes Welker. I mean, he had pieces as he aged. It wasn't like he was doing this with no one around him. Patrick Mahomes, uh, that's going to be a question with Kansas City. If Tyreek Hill doesn't play, uh, you know, you, you, you lose Hunt, is he going to be the same guy? Surrounding your quarterback with talent, as the Vikings did, I think in adding an Irv Smith, that should be the goal. Yes, we got Kirk Cousins. Uh, yes, we have a player that we're paying at this elite level. Let's give him the best possible chance to win. That's what the Vikings did. That's how they approached this draft. Whereas the Green Bay Packers seem to say, we got Aaron Rodgers. We'll figure the rest out. 
Manny, how are you going to figure the rest out? The, <laughs> the, the Chicago Bears got Mitch Trubisky, who I think will continue to get better, incrementally better, but better. Mitch Trubisky ain't ever going to be Drew Brees, right? We don't have to even have those conversations about whether or not he's going to be a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. Who is Mitch Trubisky? I think he's a serviceable quarterback who can get the job done with that defense, can put that team in a position to win, you know, scoring short touchdowns in the red zone, running the ball. They can put him in a in a low-risk situation as he continues to improve. That's the best team in the division. The Detroit Lions went out and made some signings. Are they going to be a better team this year? I, I think they'll be better. I, uh, I'm not betting on that. Well, i tell you what. I, here's, here's the thing we talk about the Lions, though. Better is relative. Better's not better's not good. I think they'll be better. But the Green Bay Packers are the team where I go, of all the teams in the league, because the Vikings certainly got better, where are the Green Bay Packers? To show me where they certainly got better as a team. I know what they did defensively, but I also know what they lost. Offensively, Manny, I don't know that they did what the other teams around the league have done to improve. And if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm going, this is a tough division. Obviously, there's a lot that we're going to have to do to get into the playoffs. But I would feel as comfortable as any team in the division right now uh, about my playoff hopes going into 2019. Yeah, and I, th- I think if you're the Vikings too, I mean, it's we were talking before we went on the air here about you look at what they've done now, and you know we did a poll the other day on Purple Daily about you know did the Vikings do enough, you know, in the off season to help Kirk Cousins, and there was a good portion of people that said yes, that they did enough. And yeah. now if that's the case, if the Vikings have done enough to help Kirk Cousins, then there are no more excuses for the Vikings at this point going into 2019. You need to get it done. I mean, it is it is at that point now where you went and got, got a couple of offensive linemen. You used your first-round pick on an offensive lineman that you figure can just plug and play right away from day one and be your starting center, and you're going to slide elf line to left guard most likely. You know, you, you've... Change the offense. You've got a new offensive system in play now. Now it's 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 time. You've got the majority of your defense back, you know, save for a couple of guys here and there, but you've got a majority of your defense back. Now it's 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 time for you to deliver. It's time for Kirk Cousins to deliver. It's time for Gary Kubiak to deliver. It's time for, you know, Dalvin Cook to stay healthy and 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 deliver because they're gonna need all those guys, and now there are no more excuses. It's going to be tough, but I think to your point about with with the with where the Packers are at, you do kind of wonder if the Packers will be good enough, you know, considering that they really haven't done anything on paper talent-wise to improve the offense around Aaron Rodgers. Did uh, uh I didn't check did, did Kubiak pick any Kubiaks? Are there, <laughs> are there are there any Kubiaks in minicap or is there I got to check. I guarantee there's a Kubiak somewhere. Um, there there must be a Kubiak somewhere. These anonymous execs, you know, they were talking about the Packers going, what are they doing? Here's what they said about the Minnesota Vikings, specifically Garrett Bradbury. Bradbury's talented. That is a good get for them. Anything to help stabilize their offensive front is good. Why can't you put your name on that, Manny? Like, all you're saying is that he's a good player. Like, why can't you put your name on something like that? Doesn't make any sense. But he says, Bradbury's not a power guy, so he doesn't scare me as much. But they needed to address the line, and he helps them. Uh, this anonymous exec also called Alexander Madison uh, a big back who will get three and a half yards per carry. Um, you always want Dalvin Cook on the field, but obviously good to have options. So I, I think the the Vikings are in a a good place in terms of you went to the grocery store, you got everything on your list, you've checked out, 
You put everything in the pantry, in the refrigerator. Now it's time to cook the meal. And how are they going to do that? And who faces the most pressure to help the Minnesota Vikings do that after this? You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey. Myron Metcalf back on Purple Daily on Score North, scorenorth.com. Uh, the first segment we were talking, Manny, just about, you know, no excuses. And, and I mean, here's the thing. I think a lot of teams say that. A lot of teams say no excuses. We got everything. Um, and, and every team can't say that. Most teams in the league can't say that. But a team that I think went to the NFC Championship two years ago, they bring in Kirk Cousins. You add to this offensive line. A guy in Irv Smith who, you know, I did an NFL show for ESPN nationally uh, over the weekend and just had a chance to talk to you know, a number of folks about Irv. Like, man, people love Irv Smith. Like, like there are people who think, like, he is a steal. Like, he's the kind of guy who will look back at this draft and go, okay, that wasn't just a, a good pick for the Minnesota Vikings. That was a great pick uh, for them. But he's also facing some pressure, Manny. He's got to show up along with a number of other guys. But, yeah. like, Irv Smith doesn't get sort of this rookie cushion of, hey, let's give you a couple years to figure it out. They need him to do it now. Yeah, there's no question about it. I think when you consider, and and I know what you're getting at. I mean, we're talking about because of the so far failure that Laquan Treadwell has been as as a highly touted first-round pick, albeit a late first-round pick, but still a first-round pick nonetheless, because the Vikings have not gotten enough production or any production at all out of Laquan Treadwell, now they're forced into a situation where they need somebody like an Irv Smith to come in as as a second tight end, a compliment to Kyle Rudolph on offense, and and to pick up some of the slack and to be a productive player as a rookie because at this point they can't rely on or trust that Laquan Treadwell is going to give them anything going forward here at this point. Yeah, and, and to, you know, Treadwell is a guy who looked apart. Uh, and that doesn't only hurt the Minnesota Vikings. That's hurt other teams. It's hard to assess combine numbers and stats and images and see how that translates onto the field. But Irv Smith obviously is a productive guy. If you see pictures of him, he looks like somebody who who fought Thanos in Endgame, right? <laughs> like he, he looks like one of those dudes who I'm not going to give anything away. Don't worry. Yeah, don't he, give he, a thing away because I haven't no, seen the movie. No, yet. I'm not. I'm not giving anything away. He just <laughs> looks like someone uh, that like, like if you told me he was one of the Avengers, I'd be like, okay, it, it, it makes sense that he was in that movie. He looks the part. He he he's one of those guys where you go, okay, he seems like the modern tight end, the modern target you would want. And, and having a tight end who's that athletic and, and versatile and the strength attached to it, Manny, that opens up so much. No, There's no better example of that to me than overtime AFC championship New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, where, where basically Tom Brady said, here's Rob Gronkowski, and I'm going to dare you to not focus on him. I'm going to dare you to let me just keep trying to throw to him. And even if you try to stop it, I'm just going to do it anyway because he's that good. <laughs> like like that can open up so much in the modern NFL. And I think an Irv Smith can be that target. But we've also seen this before in terms of a guy who looks that part. 
And I think that's the fear if you're a Vikings fan is, yes, the pieces are there. Thielen and Diggs can be the best receiver duo in the league. You got this young guy, Irv Smith, coming on. Uh, you got a fortified offensive line. But what if it doesn't all come together, man? Who's facing for you? Who faces the most pressure, not name Kirk Cousins, to make this thing work? I think it's Gary Kubiak, to be honest with you. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because Gary Kubiak was brought in as, I mean, what what's his official title? Offensive advisor, basically advisor on the offense. But let's be honest here, as Judd has said multiple times now on this station since since Kubiak was brought on, that Gary Kubiak is essentially head coach offense and Mike Zimmer is head coach defense. Now, Mike, Mike Zimmer is still overseeing the entire operation, but Gary Kubiak has significant influence. At least the idea of this whole thing is that he's going to have significant influence on how this offense performs. And I think when you look at, okay, someone besides Kirk Cousins, you know what you have in Adam Thielen. You know what you have in Stephon Diggs. You know what you have in Dalvin Cook if he's healthy. And you know what you have in Kirk Cousins. To me, I'm looking at Gary Kubiak and saying, okay, you have you have talent. You have guys at the skill positions. You've upgraded on the offensive, ni- offensive line now, at least a little bit. Now, your system. The talk has been that Kirk Cousins is best fit. You know, the best fit for Kirk Cousins is your system. The, the zone block, you know, the outside zone running scheme, the, you know, play actions, bootlegs, all this stuff. We've seen, we've said it time and time again that Kirk Cousins has been at his best when he's played in this type of scheme. Well, now the scheme is in place and Gary Kubiak's fingerprints are going to be all over it. So to me, this offense is only going to go as far as Gary Kubiak can sort of structure it and, and push it in the right direction. I think that's a great answer, man. And I think a lot of people listening would agree with you. Uh, they would probably say Kubiak. Uh, they might say Zimmer, Kirk Cousins. My concern is is this. If we're going to say that everything's there, certainly if you're Kirk Cousins and you regress, there are no excuses and you'll face all the criticism attached to that. Certainly if you're Kubiak or you're Mike Zimmer and this team takes a step back or doesn't live up to the expectations, which to me is you're in the playoffs. Like If you don't get in the playoffs, you might lose your job, right? I understand all those things. But what about everybody else, Manny? Like, what about this offensive line that can't allow Kirk Cousins to get sacked the way he has been 81 times in the last two seasons? Mm-hmm. You know, what about Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kirk Cousins getting on the same page? I understand your quarterback has to lead that charge. But there were moments, even if it was just the perception and the perception was wrong, where we didn't know that Thielen and Cousins were connected. And that's a problem. Does Irv Smith work his way into this offense? How does that happen defensively? Is this going to be the team that can be an aggressive defense, get stops, uh, a, t- a defense with playmakers? Dalvin Cook, though, to me, is someone that more people should be talking about mm-hmm. and, and who he is. Because to me, to your point, we know you know what you have in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And I think everything's there for Irv Smith to be a really intriguing and impressive third target. But Dalvin Cook, to me, is the kind of guy who – makes you a good go from a good offense to potentially a great one if a he can stay healthy number one there's nothing more important than that yep and i that's not pressure i don't know what to call that manny it's is it luck i don't know what you call it but like him staying healthy somehow is a huge question and then when he is healthy 
that guy to me can be the X factor on this offense because if Dalvin Cook can be the kind of guy who gives Kubiak these options, uh, these options in terms of the dynamic of his offensive scheme and the things you can do and making them more difficult to scheme against a plague uh, to face, that is going to be a major, major issue, I think, for the Vikings and their opponents if Cook can stay healthy and he can consistently be that guy. I just don't know how to invest in the possibility, Manny, because of all the injuries. I don't know how to approach a season and go, Dalvin Cook can be X, when the first thing I'm thinking, and really the only thing I'm thinking is, can Dalvin Cook stay healthy? No question about it. And and here's my question for you, too, because we've talked about the rookies now. We've talked about Irv Smith Jr., and we've talked about Garrett Bradbury. How much pressure do you think is on the two of them? Because they're being put into a situation where they're being asked to be productive at their respective positions right away, day one. I mean, Garrett Bradbury especially. like yep. He figures to, to step right in and be the starting center right away, day one, much like what Pat Elfline was two years ago. And Pat Elfline did a really nice job. Now it looks like Pat Elfline's going to move over to, to left guard. But Garrett Bradbury stepping in as a rookie right away, he's going to be expected to be really good right out of the gate. And, you know, sometimes with, with rookies, we've talked about this before, sometimes with rookies it takes time for these guys to actually get good and develop into the players that we think they're going to be. Irv Smith Jr., you know, the same thing The same thing applies to him. He's obviously very talented. He obviously figures to be a big part of the offense long term. But the other side of the coin, Myron, is – he was a second-round pick. He did slide yeah. down into the second round. Yeah. And there had to be a reason, not knocking him, not saying he's not good or anything like that, but when somebody is picked in the second round, it's because there's a reason why they weren't picked in the first round. Right. So asking Irv Smith to come in right away and be a productive, reliable, really good target you know, option for Kirk Cousins I wonder if that's a lot to ask of somebody who was taken in the second round. And, and you know, we're certainly going to find out. I, I, I see exactly what you're saying, man. And I think there's I think that's a really good point. I do think, however, we judge players according to situations and circumstances more than their status in terms of where they were picked. If you're not a quarterback, if you're mm-hmm. a quarterback where you are picked. Certainly, there's all kinds of pressure. Daniel Jones, good luck. Uh, I mean, good good luck in New Go York. I don't know. Him. I don't I don't know what what you're gonna do, um, but yes, good good luck with that situation. Quarterbacks retreat that way. I think we look at players, skilled players, in terms of the situation, and it, it, it's hard to argue against the reality that Irv Smith is in a perfect situation. I mean, what's the one thing we've quietly said about the Minnesota Vikings? You don't say it too loudly. You say it quietly because you like him. Hey, Kyle Rudolph, what about that situation? Is is he the guy? Like that's the whisper, right? It, with that organization. But the reality is, you bring in an Irv Smith, he could be the perfect either compliment to him or he could be this great number three target. I don't know that he's facing a lot of pressure when you've got a duo that might be the best receiving duo in the league. If he were coming in, man, and you you told me. He might have to be a top target for this team. He might have to be the number two guy for Kirk Cousins. Way too much pressure on, on a rookie. Sure, but but being number three, I think that's reasonable. There's far more pressure on Bradbury uh, because you look at him and you go, if you're terrible uh, for a fan base that has watched this offensive line 
disrupt plans in recent years and ruin dreams, you ain't going to get no benefit of the doubt. There, there's no time for you. There's no time for you when you've won the Remington, when you've started at both left at guard and center and been a high-level player. And he's not like a, a third-year guy coming out. Manny, this guy was a fifth-year player when he was drafted. Yeah. This, this is supposed to be a mature guy who's been able to play multiple positions at a high level. 24 years old. He'll be 24 24. years old when the season starts. I I wonder how many second-year guys are 24. I mean, he's he's got the age. He's had experience at the collegiate level. Manny, I think with this team, if if he's a disaster, he'll never hear the end of it. I mean, this is the kind of place and this is the kind of environment where if you're not good at your job on the O-line, A, you're going to see it clearly and people are going to talk about it. And B, you'll be criticized. So Bradbury has to understand that coming in that you you are the guy who could hold this thing together or potentially Manny rip it apart, right? I would think a 24-year-old should be, should be prepared for that reality, right? Yeah, and, and I think I get the sense that he is and that he will be. I mean, it, it's it, I think more than anything, like I think he's prepared for the pressure. I think he's prepared for the expectations because because he is 24 years or he will be 24 years old later this summer, thus 24 years old when the season starts. So I think he's prepared to face the pressure of, you know, all the expectations for him. But again, this goes back to my original point about I think most of the pressure is going to be on Gary Kubiak because Gary Kubiak is supposed to be the one that has said, you know, this system that we're going to implement is going to work. And these are the players that fit the system well. And Garrett Bradbury fits the system. And, you know, Pat O'Flan is going to move to left guard, and he fits the system. Josh Klein, who they went and got in free agency, he played in the zone blocking scheme in Tennessee last year, even though he, the by the PFF numbers he didn't play particularly well. But he played in the system, so he's a good fit. And all of that, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to be a better fit for this system than he was in with what they were doing with John Filippo last year. So that's where, to me, like ultimately, most of the pressure is going to be, I think, on Gary Kubiak because of all this talk about this offseason about how the system and the scheme and everything being put into place is going to be a lot better. And now they have to go out and show it. But, but here's my thing on that, Manny. If, if you're Kubiak and this is a disaster— I mean, what really happens to you? You weren't in coaching last year. You go away. I mean, you don't even have an official title. We don't even know what his official role. We know what he is, and he is the guy, the guru of the offense. But, you know, to me, I think Kubiak is is facing the least amount of pressure because Kirk Cousins is going to bear the brunt of all the criticism and the pressure and everything attached to that, and I think the O-line would be next. But Mike Zimmer is going to take so much of the heat because of uh, just like we start, said at the beginning of the show, Manny, he has it all. There, there is no Mike Zimmer. Well, if my quarterback had no, there's none of that. Oh, I'm missing. The, nope, you've got it all. So for me, this is going to be. Here's how I think the season will play out, and I could be wrong, Manny. I'm wrong a lot. I think there's a better chance from week to week on this show, on other shows, as we're talking about the Vikings, we'll talk about the Vikings in terms of. How is Mike Zimmer doing as the coach who's supposed to knit all this stuff together versus what Kubiak's doing uh, or even what Kirk Cousins to some degree is doing? I think Zimmer is the one that will face a lot of that heat 
And if this thing doesn't work, whether it's on offense or defense, he's the guy that I think will get the uh, the bulk of the criticism. And, and he'll deserve it because what other excuse can you have after you've added all these pieces and you look the part of a team that should be a playoff team? And when you consider that, you know, how much money they spent to bring back Anthony Barr, which they originally thought yes. who they originally thought was going to be gone and off to the New York Jets. And then they decided to bring they decided to bring him back. Pretty hefty price tag. You know, less money than they thought he was going to get on the open market, certainly, but nonetheless, he's Anthony Barr's getting paid a lot of money. So now the pressure is there for Mike Zimmer to make that particular move to bring Barr back to make it worth it. You know what I mean? And, you know, you restructured Everson Griffin when you probably could have moved on from him and saved yourself some cap space and given yourself a few more options in free agency. Well, you restructured with Everson Griffin. You brought him back. So now they need Everson Griffin to to get back at least close to the level of that he was playing at in, in 2017. I mean, last season he dealt with some off-the-field stuff, and, you know, you sort of give him – a little bit of a free pass considering, you know, what he had to go through yeah. off the field. But now he's back, and the thought is that you brought him back because you think that he can at least get back to a little bit of the level he was at in 2017, and all that is going to fall on Mike Zimmer. So I, I feel like the three guys that are under the most pressure are Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, obviously, and I still think Kubiak is under pressure from the standpoint of I don't think that if if this fails, I don't think it does anything to Gary Kubiak's legacy as a football coach, coordinator, all of that stuff. I don't think it's going to hurt that. But I think in order for this offense to do well, his fingerprints are going to have to be all over this. And if it doesn't do well, it's going to be because whatever he did was not good enough. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, man, how it all... How it all plays out. By the way, Anthony Barr pulled like the ultimate relationship move, right? Like, pack your bags, I'm leaving. <laughs> and now you got a night to think about it. And then it's like, baby, please come home. I mean, Anthony Barr, he did it. He did it the right way because the whole conversation that I recall going into the offseason was, oh, let him go. What does he really do? And now he's back getting paid a lot of money. It's like, oh, man, well, what will we do without him? So we'll see if uh, how this all plays out. There's a situation in Kansas City that I think will impact the entire NFL. Tyreek Hill, we're going to talk about him after the break. You can tell everyone that we met online. Scorenorth.com. Right now, Tyreek Hill is denying specific allegations of child abuse through his attorney in a letter just released today. Last week, the Johnson County District Attorney reopened a criminal investigation into allegations of child abuse involving Hill and his fiance, Crystal Espinal. Myra Metcalf back here on Purple Daily with Manny Hill. Score North, scorenorth.com. Uh, we just heard uh, about Tyreek Hill from a local station in Kansas City. The, the big story in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, very talented player for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, one of the reasons that Patrick Mahomes set all those records, won MVP, threw for over 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, uh, and enters the 2019 season as uh, the most promising quarterback that we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, Manny, there's a lot of debate about what should happen with Tyreek Hill. And, and you know, the thing starts with him in college where the, the woman he's with now, he admitted assaulting when she was pregnant. 
Um, and, and now you have a you had a secret tape that was recorded uh, allegedly by the fiance where he talks about striking his child or, you know, where she says he, he strikes the child in the chest when he gets mad. And uh, Tyree doesn't seem to de- seem to deny that. Then he says, you should be afraid of me uh, to his fiance. Uh, then Tyree kills lawyers come out because there's a child involved here, a three year old who was injured. Uh, by one of the parents, we don't know who. Uh, a lawyer comes out yesterday for Tyreek Hill and says, "No, uh, it's all lies." Um, and here's a text message to prove it. The text messages were very, almost like something you would read in a in a courtroom. Uh, it did not seem like something that it didn't seem like the way that people normally talk. I don't know what happened, Manny. I, I don't know the details. I, I do know I want that kid to be safe more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um. Both individuals involved here have have lied before, even on the audio tape. Tyreek Hill's fiance admits that she said she had lied to protect him in the past. And then the lawyers show a text message where she's uh, allegedly saying that she's the one that hurt the child and lied to get back at him. I I don't know all those details. What I do know is if the NFL continues to give high-level athletes the benefit of the doubt, You can't be surprised when things like this happen. And my thought is this. The moment, if you're the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs, the moment you hear him threatening his fiance on this tape, Manny, that to me is the end of Tyreek Hill's time in Kansas City. I'm not sure why it has to be more complicated than that because we only do this with elite athletes. We don't care. Mm -hmm. If this this were some fifth-round pick, you know, who, who hadn't played yet or hadn't made an impact and some tape came out about this kid, you think he's walking into minicamp today, Manny? Mm-mm. I mean, the guy's not getting a chance. So why is it so difficult for NFL teams that find themselves in these situations? And I understand due process, but when you've got a character like this who has repeatedly put himself in the same scenarios that all involve violence, Somehow we're debating whether or not he should keep his job. Why does that keep happening? Because it 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 comes down to, particularly, you know, just speaking in terms of football, because this this is America's most popular sport. The mentality, the 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 general mentality is that we as a society sometimes get so caught up in like how situations like this can affect the team that he plays for or how it affects the fantasy team that, you know, Tyreek Hill might be on or things like that. Like a lot of times we, you know, and I don't mean specifically me and you, but we, we get so caught up in those type of situations and we sort of lose track of what the bigger issue is. You've alluded to it already, Myron. I'm worried about this kid, man. Yeah. I'm worried about this kid. Like, regardless of whether she did this to the kid or whether Tyreek Hill did this to the kid, I'm worried about the welfare of this child now. Yes. What, what, What is going to happen with this kid? Is this a situation where... Is this kid going to be scarred now for life because of this experience? Whoever may be, whoever may be responsible for it, 
Is this kid going to be scarred for life for it? That's that's what I'm worried about. And to your point, like whether or not Tyreek Hill is going to be catching touchdown passes from, you know, Patrick Mahomes or whoever is just irrelevant to me. Like it shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be a, a, a conversation about should he well should he stay with the Chiefs or what are the Chiefs going to do? I mean, it's pretty clear cut and dry what the Chiefs should do, right? Yeah. It, it definitely it is to me, and that's cutting him and get rid of getting rid of him uh, because this doesn't seem like a guy who should be playing football. I don't know who did what, but I do know that there was a, an environment in that home that was clearly unsafe for this child. You have an audio tape where Tyreek is threatening the same woman he assaulted when she was pregnant with this child. Could have killed the child in the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Assaults her. And yet we're still having this conversation. I'll tell you this about the Minnesota Vikings and Adrian Peterson. I remember the day when he was deactivated for that first game before he ended up on the commissioner's exempt list for good for that season after the child abuse claims. And he admitted to spanking the child and using a switch, I believe, and scarring him up. I went to a store. I I happened to go to the same store twice in one day, Manny. I went that morning before the news. Adrian Pierce Peterson's posters were everywhere. I'm talking full length ceiling the floor posters for their Vikings display at this particular store. I go back about five o'clock because I had forgotten something, Manny. And at the same store, those same posters had all been replaced. Every last one of them, Manny. Like, like I remember the reaction to that here, and I don't remember a lot of people. Uh, there were certainly some people, I'm sure. There was a debate about spanking and what are the limits of it. Mm -hmm. But there were certainly a whole lot of people in this community who said, that guy doesn't need to be focused on football right now. He's got bigger issues. And I respected the Vikings for that, and I respected the fan base for that because there was a child involved. And I don't know how if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you're not taking it and looking at this the same way the Vikings did and their fans did and said, yes, Adrian Peterson, a better player than Tyreek Hill, a more accomplished player than Tyreek Hill, you got to sit on the sidelines until we sort out what all happened and you pay your penalty for what you did. Why are we even having conversations about this kid being in the league? He shouldn't be in the league right now. I don't care about his football career. I care about that child. And if there is room for him to be rehabilitated, I'm talking about Tyree Kill. I'm all for that mm-hmm. because he's going to be this kid's father whether people like it or not. However, you don't have to do that while you still get to play football. The lie in this country is you make a big mistake and you get to keep everything. Now, that only happens with athletes. When we make mistakes, we lose things and we never get them back. That's the part of life that these athletes don't have to go through sometimes. Let him rehab if that's what you want him to do. Protect the child first and foremost. But there's no reason for Tyreek Hill right now, Manny, to be a part of the NFL. And I wonder because... I wonder if the reason why this question is still there, like why haven't, you know, why, why is he still, you know, potentially being given an opportunity here is because you saw what happened with Kareem Hunt. The Chiefs cut bait with Kareem Hunt and then yep. the Cleveland Browns went and signed him right away. And yep. I think there's like this thought that, well, if the Chiefs, you know, because Tyreek Hill is still very young and he's, st- he's still very talented and everything, I think there's this thought that if the Chiefs cut bait with Tyreek Hill, that somebody else in the league is just going to, because we've seen it before, Myron, that somebody else in the league is going to swoop in 
and sign him and give him that opportunity. And then we're, we're back to having the same conversations again. We saw it. We've, we've seen it now with Kareem Hunt. We saw it with Greg Hardy. When he got let go by the Panthers, the Cowboys came right in and picked him up, even though all of that stuff that was going on with him, it was the same thing. And that's, that's the sad part to me is, to your point, like, there should be something done about these sorts of situations that don't just revolve around, well, this guy's going to get another opportunity because he's super, super talented. Yeah. I mean, Ray Rice was done. That was situation, it? that ended Ray Rice's career. Why? Because he wasn't a productive player anymore. That's the way it goes. You know? I mean, and we're the same fans. We're the same people, Manny, who will act surprised when we find out about an Aaron Hernandez. We act surprised when these athletes who've been given so much room to make these mistakes that cost everybody else their livelihoods and their jobs. At a minimum, they're severely penalized. You know, if you're a CEO and you get caught with a Ray Rice tape, you ain't a CEO tomorrow. I mean, you might have been today. You're not tomorrow. And nobody's saying, how do we get you back into your office as a CEO? Let's go out of our way to make you the CEO again. If you're a school teacher and there's some video of you doing something like that, nobody says, hey, keep teaching next week. We'll figure it out because the thing that you really need is to keep teaching. That's an important job. That's not how people treat real people in real life. Only athletes get this benefit of the doubt. And we're not talking enough about a kid. I heard someone say that, hey, if you cut Tyreek Hill, Manny, then he's going to be frustrated and maybe he brings that frustration back home. Being an active player didn't stop him from doing these things, from being in this environment, from threatening his fiance. What makes you think that not being an active player suddenly is going to make it worse? It might be worse now, especially for that kid. Manny Hill, PurpleDaily.com. I'm Myron Metcalf. See you next week.